around the vault. High atop the pastoral center of the Diocese of Camden, you're listening to Talking Catholic. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Catholic. We are still amidst the coronavirus and doing this via Zoom so that we can still bring you these episodes with guests and also adhere to the social distancing. So I am here with my good friend, Mike Walsh. How are you? Social distancing from me. How are you doing? Hey, listen, I was made for this. I, I social distance as a matter of habit, so I'm, I'm thrilled about it. The uh, No, it, it's actually, you know, at the last time we recorded, uh, we were saying how um, I'm so busy that all I need is one day, and I'm sure I'll have like some sort of a nervous breakdown mm-hmm. or something like that. Well, amazingly, I'm not yet um, done being busy, so I haven't had an opportunity to break down and cry. So, yeah, it's, uh, only to, gotten, it's only gotten <laughs> more busy. Here for you. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I'll tell you something. While it is cr- very busy, it has actually become. I back. How can I put this? Um, in in a strange way, I've been heartened by the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Um, Bishop Sullivan did his first Sunday mass from the uh, the chapel in his residence in Woodbury, mm-hmm. and uh, we had eight hundred people view it at the yeah. time, which was. Outstanding! I, I awesome. couldn't. I couldn't believe it. we had such a great response that it actually um, it broke our website for a wee bit. Wow! We, we were simulcasting it on Facebook and on YouTube, but uh, yeah, I was having a had a hard time on the website. But but I was amazed at that, and then I was amazed that the people were praying along with us as we were as we were mm-hmm. going along. So as different parts of the the mass would come about, they would say Amen. They would during the sign of peace. They yes. they all wished each other uh, a peace. I was really impressed by that, and so that was just the Sunday mass, which was gorgeous yeah. and wonderful. And we're going to continue to do that every Sunday, but. So many parishes have been doing such an outstanding job mm-hmm. of moving to this sort of online spiritual world. Certainly, we, we can't partake in the, the sacraments, you know, spirit, uh, um, online, but we can still have that spiritual interaction. And I, I've just been astounded. And you guys, come to think of it, had a great yeah. response to your Stations of the Cross on Friday. Yes, yes. We, we've been live streaming everything. I am the camera person or the technician, as they've been putting it. Uh, behind them and it's been uh it's been a blessing to bring that to our parish the live streaming of we've done the stations of the cross and sunday mass as well and we did a last minute change to saturday evening mass which worked in our benefit and uh i too saw all the comments i actually enjoy them while i'm praying (laughs) along as well and filming uh somebody did all the comments and emojis it was hysterical it was one of my youth group kids actually i saw it (laughs) sign a piece it was like the peace sign and then during communion it was like the little wheat emoji so that was just interesting (laughs) it was definitely a new way to view the mass so um yes it's just been it's been interesting way to take both our ministry and the parish level to to be able to to just join in on what's going on, um, wh- what we do as Catholics, but now in a, in a new way during this time, we're yeah. all everybody's in the, in it right now. And, and I have to give credit to to my pastor a little bit. He um, he's been saying the mass every mo- every morning. I think it switched from eight thirty to nine, but um, he's been saying it every morning from the Franciscan convent in town, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. happens to have one of the prettiest chapels oh, in, my in gosh, the world. It's beautiful, and um, be- because it's the the sisters' home, they're allowed to be there. The the social they're still social distancing in terms of space, but it's a little bit more full because of that. And mm-hmm. he 
hearing them praying in the background while he's giving the mass. And I might point out mm-hmm. not giving communion to the sisters. Still, That's still a no-no in the Diocese of Camden and throughout the state, I believe. Um but it's been it's been wonderful, and it's there's it's in a weird way it's kind of brought our spirituality a little closer to the forefront. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know it's the old you know saying you know when uh, when uh, when a door closes a window opens that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think we're having new opportunities, so I'm I'm very hopeful that people while while it's certainly more difficult, not the way any of us want to be living our spiritual lives that that we've made enough opportunities for people to to, to continue to do stuff. I agree. I agree. So. And and we're here today with a guest. Oh, we might have just lost oh, him. Oh, no. Did we get lose him? him? Uh, we got to get him come back. Oh. Okay. We're going to come back in a minute. We'll keep talking. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, okay. So to talk about one other thing that uh, that's going around, and I can't remember if we talked about it in our coronavirus special last week. Um, we had... Uh, I have to give credit across the river to the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. They've been doing a rosary call-in show, essentially a oh, call-in cool. show, using Zoom, much like we are, for web conferencing. Mm-hmm. And it, it's getting immense numbers in terms of people checking it out. I think uh, I think the last set of numbers I heard were 2,000. 2,000 people's calling wow. in to do a daily rosary. It's, it's gorgeous. All I, on I, Zoom. Yeah, all on Zoom. The, and, I tell wow, you, that's a lot of people at one time responding. <laughs> you Can know, you imagine the person? I hope everybody's muted. <laughs> I think that is the the one I I checked in one of them, and uh, it was a call and response from the director of I think it was a director of their new evangelization, and um, uh, I I wasn't sure which um, sisters they were a part of. But it's a group mm. of sisters, so that was the call and response. And the sisters, okay. of course, were beautiful, and they were all sort of together in their convent. And the uh, the the director of new evangelization was sort of leading it. It was just it was outstanding. It really yeah, was. that's great. And I think we have our guest back here, so okay, we can probably begin. Anthony, are you here with us today? I am. Okay, wonderful. So let me do a little introduction for who our guest is today. Um, his name is Anthony Vici. He hails from South Philly originally, South Philly roots, but he is a uh, current, uh, well, just just moved from the Diocese of Camden. He was here with us for many years, and he just moved up uh, to Long Island. But Anthony, I got to meet as a part of our parish. He was a parishioner there for quite some time uh, with his late late wife, who was a beautiful person, and I got to meet them. And Anthony, uh, why don't you say hello and, and say hi to our listeners? Well, good afternoon, everyone, and, and thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure to be here. And yes, I do hail from South Philly, St. Monica's Parish. And when I was there, I was uh, happy to be under Bishop Louis de Simone, who oh, is well, now looking down from heaven. Oh, beautiful. And and you were a part, uh, when when did you move to Williamstown when you were a part of Our Lady of Peace Parish, which is where uh, I met you? Uh, we moved in, uh, Susan and I, we moved into Williamstown in uh, 07. Okay. Uh, November of 07. Okay. And we probably crossed paths. I'm going to tell this story because I think it's significant in how uh, we, we've we connected in many ways in our faith. So Thank we you. probably met, I would, I would guess it was probably about five, six years ago. And oh no, was maybe longer, longer than that. Okay, oh, Where, yeah. whatever you say, yeah. When was it? Uh, I would say, let's say, Susan unfortunately got sick in 15, so it had to be, I would say, the furthest 
track would be the 13th okay. at Geet's Diner. I'll go with that. Yep, we're at Geet's Diner, which is a local restaurant in Williamstown, well known. Uh, just off uh, the right on the Black Horse Pike, just off the AC Expressway. One of my favorite diners on my night. I love that mm-hmm. diner. Yeah, mine too. I, I'm a diner yeah. aficionado, and that was probably the first diner I ever went to. I love Geetz's. Well, oh, there yeah. you go. It is one of one of the most well-known diners, I would say, in South Jersey, especially because it's along the way to the to Atlantic City and the Shore Point. So many people stop there yeah. coming from well, I'm sure. I'm sure that when Frank was on the band bus with. Uh, Tommy Dorsey <laughs> in, the, uh, in the 40s, I'm sure they stopped there also. I'm going to go with that. He stopped there too, Frank Sinatra. <laughs> so I'm at Keats Diner and I'm checking out and and uh, you were you were just ahead of me checking out, I believe. And I saw you there and I said hello. And I said hello because I noticed you were walking with a cane and uh, that you were visually impaired uh, later to come out to know that you were fully blind and um, we just talked. We had a quick conversation. You could tell I was Italian from the way I talked, which I thought was pretty impressive. Uh, you asked me if I was Italian, and I said, yes, I was. My maiden name was Palmieri. And we talked for a little bit, and we came to find out we were from the same parish. And I think a week later, I then saw you in Mass for the first time after being part of that parish for several years before that. Is that, is that the way you remember it, Anthony? Yes. All right. And I think it was shortly after that when we became friends and uh, Susan then uh, got sick, who was your wife. And yes. uh, we got we got to then engage in a lot of different ways with the young adults helping you and all. So, so our friend Anthony is completely legally blind and yet he never lets that, you never let it hold you back, Anthony. You've done so much from being a lector at our parish and getting all around town, getting to different ministry meetings. So. I'd love to just dive in and talk all about who you are and, and the, the beautiful uh, gift you are to so many people in your in your way to just push through you know, with just so many different adversities that you've had. So um, so Aunt, tell us a little bit about when you were born and growing up and, and being legally blind, and then we'll get into the more recent stuff with our parish. Well, actually, <clears throat> God works in very strange ways. And yes, when I was born, I was a uh, preemie or premature and uh, they gave me a little bit too much oxygen. And that oxygen damaged the retinas in my eyes and caused me to be blind. Um, I'm actually considered just about totally blind. I have maybe 1% light perception, maybe two. And uh, of course, being uh, just a brand new situation for my uh, late mother and father, they didn't know me schooled and the whole thing was complicated. Mm-hmm. And um, I lived in the, the Diocese of Philadelphia throughout my grade school and high school years. And in grade school, I was fortunate enough to attend St. Lucy Day School. Mm. And uh, St. Lucy is the patron saint of the blind. And I attended St. Lucie Day School from uh, kindergarten through eighth grade. And I was very fortunate. I had a very wonderful uh, teacher who was a Immaculate Heart of Mary sister, Sister Gerald Mary. And I believe today the, the, the sisters... Um, uh, go by the regular names. I, I believe her name is Catherine 
uh, Harrison or uh, something like mm-hmm. that, or Anne okay. Harrison. I'm not sure. But Sister was relentless. And Sister, I learned so much from Sister, Sister Gerald, and all the sisters. There were five sisters at St. At St. Lucie School. Okay. And uh, the reason why there was uh, there were five, there were a lot more people who were blind uh, than there were today, fortunately, that needed that education. And those, uh, the sisters led by Sister Gerald, um, taught us our Braille. Braille is a uh, is a, a system of dots. Right. And if you want to Google it, you can look at it. It's B, like boy, R-A-I-L-L-E. It's named after a, a French gentleman by the name of Louis Braille. And we learned our Braille. Mm-hmm. And when we got to fourth grade, uh, we were fortunate enough to be put into uh, St. Francis de Sales Parish, which was in West Philly. And we took our, our major subjects at the sales and uh, history, geography, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And our minor subjects, we studied at St. Lucie's. Okay. But the thing that was so good about uh, the education that I and all my colleagues received was that we were not, we were considered blind, but we were treated as normal uh, as possible. They didn't mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, you you blind folks stay where you are, and the and the sighted people stay where we are. No, they they integrated us right into the in, into all the classes. So that had to be really such uh, so beautiful for the other students to witness and really have them. Uh, Show such kindness towards you, and oh, yeah. they would be accepting of you. Something, something. I think uh, with the world right now, in you know, being working in youth ministry, you hear it a lot. The term bullying—that's uh, a real big catchword right now with a lot of real bullying going on in situations. Uh, I bet in some ways, well, maybe in some ways you're bullied, but in other ways uh, you were totally accepted. It seems like for the most part, in absolutely. That education, absolutely. That's a great and- atmosphere. The bullying wasn't something that um, uh, was addressed uh, by any government or, you know, we just learned, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm -hmm. And I graduated eighth grade and I I was fortunate enough to study with the uh, Norbertine uh, fathers, uh, uh, Father Cox over at uh, Bishop Newman High School. Now it's uh, St. John Newman. St. Maria Goretti High School. Mm-hmm. And I believe that, uh, uh, what's her name, went there too. Um, yes. Jackie, Jackie. And I graduated uh, Bishop Newman High School in 1970. And it was a new experience for each and every one of us the students, the priests, and myself. And some days it was really uh, grueling. And in other days, you know, it's like anything else. You had good days and and bad dates. Were you the and, only blind uh, student at that high school? I was. Time? I was. I was. And mm-hmm. then uh, after I graduated, uh, another gentleman who came out of the same school, 
he was blind also, and he was there. And, uh, you know, I got through it, and I, and I thank God for all the classmates and the friends that I had there and the, the teachers and the, and the priests who, uh, who I had the privilege of working with, uh, you know, Father Cox and Father Polini and, uh, and, uh, and uh, uh, my one friend who really looked out for me all through my four years of high school, uh, Ernie Farina. Mm-hmm. And Ernie is in our parish, and Ernie is just the greatest. I mean, uh, he—he's he, at Our Lady of Peace in Williamstown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's the gentleman that stepped up to the plate when Susan got sick. Wow. If uh, if it wasn't for Ernie, I don't know what I would have done. He was Amazing. just the great. He and is you, just and the you greatest. met and you met in high school. That's it. We at, met in high school. Yeah, him in high school. That's yeah. wonderful. So cool yeah, how God brings yeah. people back around like that, too, and just put um, them back in your life exactly when they're needed. Yes. And then I attended uh, Philadelphia Community College. And uh, from there, I went on to attend Penn State. Ooh. And I graduated with a degree in speech communications with a minor in radio broadcasting. Which is why, wow. he, which is why our listeners have probably already noticed what a great radio voice you have. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know about that. I oh, hey, listen. When I was in college, uh, I I got my degree at St. Jude's University in Philadelphia, but then I went oh, back and to do a little Jones, more work. Yeah. At, oh, sure. But then I did a little more work at the at that time. It was I think it was still referred to as Glassboro State College, not quite uh, Rowan University. Oh, yet. you're old, Mike. I am old. That was that hey, was. I'm 90. older than both. <laughs> I went to Rowan. University, not known as yeah. Glass, formerly my, known yeah. as Glassboro, my, Glassboro State. Hey, listen, my wife was was on the uh, the the in between years, so yeah. she got her degree as both Glassboro State College and Rowan College, now Rowan University. The yes. uh, no. for, for her mat. Oh wait, was it no for her undergrad for her undergrad? Okay. The um, but she uh, but while I was there, I took a lot of uh, radio television classes, and uh, I love I loved being on the radio, which is one of the reasons why when the podcast came out, uh, you know. It was uh, mm. something I was going to jump to because I really enjoyed doing it. Did you have have an opportunity to do much radio work? Oh, I did. Oh, yeah? I did. Uh, not in my professional career, mm-hmm. but when I was in college and uh, when I was at community, we had a radio station over there called WIDS. Oh, sure. Mm. And then when I got to uh, Penn State, uh, I worked at WDFM. Oh, really? Which was in State College. Mm-hmm. I forget the frequency. It was on FM. It wasn't on AM. Mm, and cool. uh, I used to do a Sinatra show every week. I loved it. <laughs> Tell us about your time. love for Frank Sinatra, since since you've mentioned him twice already in our first few an, minutes. An Italian here. from South Philly who likes Sinatra? That's so rare. It's unheard of. <laughs> yes, isn't it, though? <laughs> Frank... I loved Frank when he was alive, and I love him to pieces now. Uh, he uh, put more sunshine into my mm-hmm. life, and he uh, his his way of singing made so much sense because mm-hmm. he was so honest with his voice. His voice projected uh, the emotions, and he he always said Frank that. He uh, tried to sing a song the way 
a songwriter wanted it to be sung. Mm. That makes sense. And how I got to meet Frank um, was I put a book. I, I There was an album. I don't know. I'm sure some of our listeners may know about it. It was called The Man and His Music. And in the, on the album, it was two LPs, for those of you who remember 12-inch LPs. <laughs> Mike probably came, does. I do. Carrie yeah. doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And then, it, and then it came out on CDs. And Frank actually played uh, a disc jockey. And he got to spin his own records and recollect about them. Well, in that uh, collection uh, was a a booklet. And the booklet uh, talked about Frank's life. And it had discography from 1939 through 1952. And then it picked up again from 1953 through 1965. Well, I started collecting between 1939 and 1952. It turned out to be the years that I really collected. I didn't worry about the other years. And the reason why I didn't was because we had a radio personality in Philadelphia named Sid Mark. I'm sure you know of him, Mike. You know, that and, may actually just be a hair before my time, I'm happy to say. So Carrie well, can't make fun Sid, of me for being old. <laughs> well, Sid did a Sinatra show every week. Oh, yeah? And Sid, he, he, we used to bump heads because uh, I always tried to get him to play stuff from the 40s, and, and he, he wasn't as familiar with it. I don't think he felt as com- comfortable playing it. Now he does. Mm-hmm. But he used to play it from... Uh, 53 through uh, however long, you know, it, it went on. Well, anyway, to make a long story short, I... Yeah, wait, I'm waiting for you to meet Sinatra here. Come on. Uh, well, I transcribed <laughs> a book from print into Braille. Ah, I used to get anybody I could to uh, read it for me, and I would write it down in Braille. Well, anyway, push came to shove, and in 1975, Uh, I got backstage at the Eurus Theater in Mm -hmm. Manhattan, and I met Frank. Wow. And he was just everything I expected and a lot more. Uh, I walked in, and I heard him say to somebody, is this the fellow I want to see? And I I, uh, kept absolutely quiet because I wanted to hear his speaking voice off mic. Mm -hmm. And I was just – I was – and I, I walked up to him and I said, Mr. Sinatra, is that you? And he said, yep. And I said, Frank? He said, that's me. I said, you're the guy who sang Everything Happens to Me with Tommy Dorsey. He said, yeah, that's right. Come on, come on in my dressing room. And I burst into tears. Wow. And the reason why I was so happy, and I'm sure uh, the, the man had to change his shirt, tuxedo shirt, because I burst into tears all over his shirt. And we sat and we spoke for uh, maybe uh, a little over 10 minutes. We discussed his uh, uh, the music that he recorded, and he asked me about the book. And at that time, uh, I interrupted him, and I said, I have a, a, a tape recorder. 
I said, could I record this? And he said, sure. Turn your wow, thing on. Turn your tape on. Guy. I had an old TC-90A tucked under my coat. And I opened my suit jacket, and there it was. He was impressed. And I was impressed that he got me recorded. I got him hold my microphone. And because uh, if anybody knew how to use a microphone, he did. <laughs> and we discussed everything. And uh, I said, you know, Mr. Sinatra, I said, my favorite song that you ever did was one for my baby and one more for the road, which was a, a Johnny Mercer, Harold Arlen song. And uh, he said to me, uh, well, he said, are you going to see the show here? And I said, yeah. He said, well, I'll sing it for you. Wow. And I was just. Yeah, it had to be an overwhelming moment for you. Oh, it was. It was. And uh, his road manager, who was Bobby Marks, who was uh, Barbara Marks's uh, son at the time, the, the lady he was dating, said to Frank, uh, 10 minutes to showtime. And I took that as my cue to leave. I got up and we hugged again. And as I was walking out, I sang one for my baby and one more for the road. Mm. And I was just, oh, it was it was just a wonderful evening. That's Moving great. past when I met Frank, which was really a highlight <laughs> in my life. I was still in college. Sure. I graduated Penn State in October or November of 75. And in August of 76, I was fortunate enough to land a job with, at the time, it was the Bell Telephone Company of Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. And of course, you know, there were no cell phones as per se. There were large mobile phones. And I think yeah. Cadillac had mobile phones in their cars and whatnot, but it was all uh, for the for the landlines. You correct for uh, landlines. See correct. that that's great to hear. My uh, my family were were Bell Tell people. My uh, my grandfather, oh, really? yeah, my grandfather was a lineman. My uncle uh, worked in the administrative office, and my what my mom was uh, worked for Bell in the Pentagon when my dad was stationed there. So oh, uh, oh yeah, we're 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 uh, we're Bell Tell people. Yeah, and the company was and still is. Uh, the best in customer service. Yeah, uh, I had the occasion to work for two managers who absolutely treated me like gold. There was a lady named Agnes Matralsik, and there was another lady named Kathy Belsky. Mm -hmm. And I will never forget either one of those people. I owe a great debt to them. They were just wonderful people, and they. They made sure that I was comfortable and I had all the accommodations I should have. And then uh, I got to retire at the age of 51. Nice. I got to retire in 03. And uh, I retired in 03. And um, well, let me backtrack. You heard me mention Susan. Susan and I were married in 1990, and how we met was Susan worked for the local cable company that was out of Philly, Mike. I don't know if you remember Greater Media Cable. Oh, or sure do. Okay. Well, Greater Media Cable was bought out by Comcast, and I had to call Greater Media Cable 
because they were running some Sinatra shows on the Disney Channel. <laughs> and um, I didn't have the Disney Channel. This, I is have, for, this is personal calls, right? This is nothing to do at work. This is just you calling. Absolutely your not. Stuff. Okay. Absolutely not. So Susan said to me, look, she said, I can't uh, take care of your situation right now. But uh, if you call back in, any of us will help you. I said, well, let me call you back. I heard something in her voice that I, I liked. And I said, <laughs> let me call you back. And I said, and uh, when I get home, and we'll go from there. And I did. And uh, we started talking about her family and my family, where we went to school, where we grew up and all this and that. And where was she from? And, uh, she was from South Philly. She was from St. Richard's Parish, which is now defunct. Mm. And um, um, Susan was from St. Richard's Parish. And uh, that was in March of 1990. And then we started dating and this and that. November 1990, we got married. Wow. I, I, I hope one of I hope your wedding song was a Frank Sinatra song because it seems like it was. OK, <laughs> and what was. was that? It, it was the old uh, standard. It had to be you. Oh, oh nice. it that's, had to be you. Classic. That's a classic. Yeah. yeah it had to be great. you. Yeah. And and that was our, uh, sorry. I, I was going to say, Anthony, you mentioned such you know beautiful things about so many people. And I saw a common thread with that. And which is you heard something in their voice or you heard it or you asked them to speak. Um, you could hear the kindness. And I think, you know, even with our occasion of meeting, you know, I think you have such a, with the lack of visually seeing your other senses, especially of hearing are heightened. Is that true to speak true to say that? Well, yeah. And that's the Holy spirit, Holy spirit really. Yeah. He, 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 worked on my senses and works mm. through me and uh um you know i and and that's how i got that and i was away from the church for a long time mm. unfortunately we all think we know better than what god knows and we don't and we never will well anyway uh susan uh used to go to church and uh, and and susan would come home and she'd say hey god was asking for you Oh, so say, she well, went without you. Yeah. And I'd say, well, tell him I said hello. Well, mm. in January of 15, okay, January of 2015, I ran into Ernie Farina. And it's a good thing I did because Ernie, God uh, put Ernie in my path. Uh, to prepare me for what was to come. Ah. Nobody knew. None of us knew. And we went to church Easter Sunday, uh, and we were standing in the back of the church. I forget if Father Maz said Mass or not. Who, uh, Michael, you know Father Maz, right? Oh, sure. I love Father Maz. Uh, he's a walking, living saint. I call him St. <laughs> Cadmus of Williamstown. He <laughs> is just, now everybody knows his first name. <laughs> he's the greatest. He's the greatest. So anyway, I forget who was saying Mass, but we had Mass. And uh, we came home and we went to dinner. I forget. We probably went to dinner at my sister's. And then that night, we went over to Ernie's house. 
with his uh, lovely wife, Johanna, Johanna, and uh, his two daughters, uh, Brittany and, um, oh, oh, I forget. Oh, I forget his, his other daughter's name, but they're, they're, uh, uh, Brianne, Brianne, I think husbands. it is. Uh, it's okay. It doesn't matter. Go ahead. There's, there was Brittany and, uh, I'll think of it one more off the call, but anyway, uh, we and got to enjoy ourselves and have dessert with them. And, uh, um, uh, then when we got home, the HBO special on Sinatra was running. So it looked, it, the whole weekend was just encompassed by uh, everything. And then, of course, in May of 15, my wife uh, suffered a, uh, a life-changing event. It was an alternative, and uh, uh, she had a stroke alternative. I don't mean alternative. I don't know what word I'm looking for. But she had a stroke and she was bedridden from that point on until she passed in 2017. Mm -hmm. And uh, Susan was most fortunate to uh, have Father Maz and Deacon Joe Bocilli, who I don't know if you guys know him or not, but there's another walking living saint. Uh, He always says to me, I'm the greatest sinner I know. And I say to him, Deacon Joe, I have to disagree with you. He's he's <laughs> another guy that's that's magnificent. He really is. Well, anyway, um, from seventeen through um, um, two thousand and um, um, eighteen, I, I I was more or less alone. I shouldn't say I was alone because I was in such despair. And uh, God uh, took me under his wing, as he always did, marched out for me. And then there was the advent of our buddy Padre Pio. And yeah. Padre Pio was just, he, he just, uh, he, uh, he uh, took me under his wing and he. Were you he, praying to him as a saint and, to help his intercession? Not really. Not really. I didn't know all that much about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kim Pazoski, uh, Kim and Mark. Uh, I, I can't leave Kim and Mark out because Kim and Mark were such a help to me. And uh, uh, Kate Minder and uh, uh, the people who uh, they knew. They had a got lot of people. Through, mm-hmm. Yeah. And they got me through all the uh adversities uh, that I that I had and you had so and, many people Anthony that would give you rides and take you to the to mass oh, and even I know you know co- go out to dinner with you cut your food because in the absence of Susan being there in your life uh, and, and of course the dealing with the grieving of, a, of the loss of a loved one or your wife uh, you needed people to help you and, and so many people from the parish and even around family and friends that you've had from the past, Really, well, I think yeah. at that time stepped up in your life to, Father to show Mohan. you God's goodness, God's goodness, you know, yeah, and, and, and how and, much they loved you. And Father Mohan gave me more time, and of course Father Maz, and uh, Father Chris, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, especially Father Mohan. He was he was something. We 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 brought pizza for Susan a few times, and 
Father Mohan, he he really God sent him into my life, and I'm I'm very happy that he was there. And we lost touch, and I lost touch with Kim and Mark. And I hope at some point uh, we'll renew uh, our friendship again. But in any case, I didn't realize how much Padre Pio uh, was influencing me. And in 2018, uh, June the 3rd, 2018, Father uh, uh, Padre Pio brought... uh, a lady named Lucy and I together. Lucy um, told me uh, any number of times how she felt I could be the answer to this guy's problems. And Lucy and I met, and we had our our struggles as as people do, and uh, we we managed to get through them and. Uh, we're in each other's company more often. We're very fortunate, and uh, I just, I just thank God for uh, everything I have. And I, you know, I don't know what to say. You know, yeah, no, uh, it's beautiful. It seems, um, it seems like God has always been there for you, and, and when you turn to Him in those times of difficulty, and after being away from the church for so long, coming back then to Mass and to the sacraments. The Lord has uh, really given you so much more back in return. It's like yeah. we give him an inch, he gives us a whole football field, you know. Yeah, and, and leave us not forget my brother and my sister mm-hmm. who were there right from the beginning. And my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law and all yeah. my cousins, everybody in my family. And you, Carrie, and your family has taken me in. Uh, well, we Lucy all love you. We all as love a, you. As a, as a, like extended family. Now, I'm sure uh, going through all that, um, I'm sure both of you, one of you, if not both of you, or maybe even your viewers may have some questions, and I'd be happy to take questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Mike, do you have any questions? I know Anthony well. So. <laughs> well, you know. Well. <laughs> Actually, you know, if you have any dirt on Carrie, I would like to hear that just to, just to be on the safe side because she always comes across as so angelic in, in every way. And I, I, I've never heard anyone say anything negative about her. And, and those, those and, kinds of people drive you, me nuts. Well, no, you, you won't hear anything negative uh, that I, anybody would say about her because there's nothing negative to say. Uh, oh, the thank you, neg- Anthony. The only thing negative I can say is that we need to see each other more often. Yes. And her husband, Phil, he's dynamite. He's a great guy. I have not he had the blessing to meet Phil yet, but oh, I'm, I'm also told meet. he's a he's a wonderful guy. Oh, he's he's he's, he's we'll have to have him guy. on the show. He really is. We'll have to yeah, have you him should. That's a good idea. You should. <laughs> and of course, her new baby, uh, John Paul Anthony, and uh, oh yeah, I'm sure you love his middle name for sure. Oh, <laughs> I do. Hold on, Carrie. Oh, I, I did actually no, have a question. I wanted to kind of go back to the South Philly days um, 
and they, yeah. and uh, you know, you, a lot of things you were talking about. You know, first of all, whenever you ask anyone of a certain age uh, what part of South Philly where they were from, they always answer with the parish they were a part of. Mm-hmm. Not, not, right. Now, see, my my grandparents, uh, my great grandparents were South Philly folks as well, and um, the Belchitis family. My grandmother, who was from Italy, and my grandfather, great grandfather, who was from uh, Lithuania. And they grew up on Watt Street in South Philly. Watt Street, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice, tiny little street. Used to go over there for the Mummers parades. And then, you know, we'd we'd stay, we'd hang out at their little row home. And then we'd go up to Broad and watch it and then come back and get warm and stuff like that. She'd always have an entire table filled with food because she was a good Italian. Great grandmother. But um, but it was it was always really communal, like like you saw everybody and hanging out, you know. Oh, yeah. With, do you think that was something that um, you know that that kind of community was oh, was a help to you in the in the early days? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. There were there were people who looked out for me. Uh, yeah. South Philly was nice in that uh, you you know different people uh, who were from different neighborhoods had different um, uh, different customs and, and different things yeah. that they did. Uh, there was one gentleman who I recently uh, had the good fortune of connecting with, uh, uh, Lucille and, uh, and Bobby Bordino, and uh, they, they were great people. They came from about maybe a block or so away from me. Really? And... Uh, uh, at the time, I wasn't using my cane because I wasn't required to use it until I got to college. So I'd call one of the guys up and he'd say, hey, come and get me. And they'd walk me over and we'd sit down on the step and, and drink Coca-Cola out of glass bottles. <laughs> oh, Anthony, that is one of my most favorite memories from uh, childhood is going to my great grandmother's house and they would always have the old glass bottles in the, oh, the yeah. bottom of their refrigerator. And that was the yep. only place I could ever get them was at their house. And that's yep. what we do. We'd sit out in the stoop and we drink our sodas and just you yep. know say hi to the neighbors as they go by. And the, and the tasty cakes. Yep. You know, we knew when the tasty cakes were coming in. We yep. waited uh, until the tasty cake truck pulled up. Yep. And we'd go into the grocery store and he'd say, I haven't had time to take inventory. And the tasty <laughs> cake guy would say, give him, give him the pack of cupcakes yeah. or give him this or give him that. We had tasty cakes and candy and we had luncheonettes down there. Oh, yeah, I remember. Sure. Luncheonettes. Been, been were, a couple. Yeah. It was a combination of, uh, of uh, a candy store. And in the back, there was a counter. And you sat there and... Uh, um, and they made uh, milkshakes and root beer floats and yeah. all different things. And then we had the, the luncheonettes and some of them even made steaks and, uh, uh, you know, Philly, what, what you guys would call Philly cheese steaks. I, you know, was just yeah for carrie and, it's, uh, a, it's a philly cheesesteak for us it's just yeah, a cheesesteak yeah yeah <laughs> or and, a little uh, slice of heaven right on earth uh, yeah, exactly <laughs> and then and then you did the classic south philly thing where you moved to uh south jersey somewhere in gloucester county we uh it's uh yeah. my family came over to the same thing they moved to the glassboro area you moved to the williamstown area people well no before that we moved to uh Audubon. Okay. Yep. Plenty of taking baby steps coming over. That's right. Yeah. And we moved into um, 
Monsignor Marucci's parish at the time. What parish was that? Oh, oh I'm trying to remember. Pius the, Pius the 10th? Pius the 10th. Okay. It was a shame they closed that church because it, it, that church was, there were no steps, no nothing. It was so um, uh, good for him. Yeah, he's a... Uh, he suffers from uh, MS, I believe, in, in, oh, a, in a wheelchair. 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 Yeah. He's the greatest. But he's the, one of the most active priests I've ever met in my yeah. entire life. That, uh, that is a guy yeah. who does not let anything, much like yourself, a guy who does not let anything stop yeah. him from doing what he wants to do. Yeah, well, he's an inspiration to me, too. Really? Um, he, uh, uh, Monsignor Marucci, now he's at the St. Andrew the Apostle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gibbsboro. And, and I, right. And I was over at the... Uh, neighboring parish with Father Vince, uh, um, Our Lady of uh, Guadalupe. Oh, Guadalupe. Yeah. And uh, the parishioners over there. Who? It's Linda a little right. yeah. Right. And the parishioners over there, uh, Rose uh, Harmon and her husband, Jim, and all the people who once again took me under their wing. And and, and, they, and whenever Lucy would come uh, down, they would make Lucy feel so comfortable, like she was one of the uh, parishioners. And they even invited her to sing in the choir. Lucy has a magnificent voice. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Awesome. So Anthony, now, I love, I love to, it's for you to share with our, uh, our listeners uh, what drove you to want to become a lector. Because I know when you were at our parish, you asked and we made some arrangements to make it happen. Uh, to have you there on the altar so that you didn't have to walk up and all. What what drove you, you know, because typically you don't hear someone who is legally blind say, okay, I want to become a reader at church, you know. But at the same time, there's a big fear of people that are sighted because you're reading in front of so many. Uh, it's one of the biggest fears I think uh, that people have is, is to, to speak or read in front of others. So what made you be fearless in this and ask and want to do that? Because I think that's a really notable thing in our Catholic faith. Uh, that you chose to do? Well, I started lecturing when I was in St. Monica's. And uh, what happened, uh, I was lecturing and and it went out and, and, and it, it went off okay. It didn't really come off great at all. Mm. And um, from St. Monica's, I, I, I kind of, I always wanted to read at church because I always wanted to put God's word out there. The things, the way God wanted us to live and how God wanted us to live and what to do. And I really didn't come of age of lecturing until I got to Our Lady of Peace and I got to work with Jackie Greer. Mm -hmm. And Jackie Greer... Uh, taught me and uh, uh, Jackie and uh, uh, how important punctuation was and still is. And she would say to me, you need to pause and then you need to, you know, and I really uh, became aware of how to read the word of the Lord from Jack. And uh, between her and um uh, Irene, what's her name? Irene uh, at the rectory. Irene Casey. Irene Casey and and Deacon John and all the deacons. You know, Deacon Mike and 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 Deacon uh, 
Deacon Al, he's the greatest. Mm-hmm. He's the greatest. And uh, Wendy Harris from the uh, the bereavement group and all the people who who were uh, just so, so willing. And they were so encouraging, you know, because I have good days and bad days, just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And bad days, you know, I need some encouragement. And the other lady who we need, we mustn't forget either, was uh, the lady, what is her name? The lady, her husband uh, does the, the radio work. She was um, at our... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure who you mean, but it's okay. You can just talk about what she did with... And, and, and she, she taught me about her philosophy because she has uh, RP. Uh, uh, pigmentosis, retinitis pigmentosis. Oh, what is her name? Oh, she so uh, she speaks in tongues, and you know who she is, Carrie. I'm not. Uh, I'm not certain, but I'll think of it. If I think of it, I'll yeah. let you know. Yeah, yeah, and uh, all these people who, um, you know, and Cowan Hill, and. Uh, well, you're and, giving a lot of shout outs on this on this broadcast. Well, <laughs> these are all people. You have a lot of friends, yeah. These are all people like uh, 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 the Creoles and uh, and Gene Creole and and people who just thought nothing at all of going out of their way for me. Mm-hmm. And I I can't thank them enough for everything. You know, you're uh, you're actually doing us a favor. That's one of the things this podcast is for is um, making sure that we can highlight people who are doing great things in the community or are examples of great things in the in the community. And it's really wonderful to hear. You know, sometimes I think it's lost in today's culture that a parish is really a community of people who are looking out for each other. You know, it's it's certainly then, a, a spiritual gathering place, but it's it should be so much more than that. And it, and it sounds like what you've experienced, certainly in your time at Our, Our Lady of Peace in Williamstown, was that was that it really did turn into that. It was really an opportunity for people to come together and, and not just for them to support you, but also for you to be a part of the absolutely. parish as a lector. That's that, so heartwarming to someone who's and, cold-hearted like me. And the other thing, <laughs> the other thing is that uh, I never felt the camaraderie like I feel in Our Lady of Peace Parish, like I felt uh, Rosemary and Joe Genova and uh, their children and grandchildren and diane zarecki uh who is who has moved her and her husband joe i don't know what i would do without diane uh i'm curious the last oh i'm sorry go ahead ahead. least no last but not least and then you can tell me what you're curious about because (laughs) i gotta think of these things when i forget them because if i don't uh, i get avikiai which is old age, you know, but Rocco Terraborelli, mm-hmm. uh, Rocco was right there. Uh, I needed to go to the hospital. I needed to go to the doctor. I needed to go here. I needed to go there. And Rocco, he took care of me. Yeah. yeah. Rocco, when I think, and this is going to put a, a large responsibility on people, But when I think of the physical image of Jesus Christ, the physical image, I think of 
of two people, and that's Rocco and Father Maz. Father mm. Maz is an example for all of us to follow. Mm-hmm. And I mean that, you know, I'm always giving him shout outs. And he gave me a few shout outs from the altar. <laughs> he, did, he did. He did some homily here, right? Yeah. And when you would read and all. Yeah. But the thing with Father Matt, he's just the example that we should all follow. And I understand his brother lives in Our Lady Guadalupe Parish, and we never had the opportunity to meet. Mm. But so, so my last question to to you is because we're going to wrap up in the next couple of minutes. Um, sure. Anthony is, uh, so what brings a, a nice South Philly boy like you and, and uh, South Jersey transplant up into, uh, you know, Long Island? Oh, Lucy. Aha. Okay. <laughs> Lucy. All Lucy right. is, you know, if you ever want to know anything about history, Lucy is it. Oh, yeah. She is. She's very historical. She knows this area really well. And she's a good person. And the reason why I know she's a good person is because there was a saying, uh, show me your friends and I'll tell you what you are. Mm. And guess what? All her friends are exactly like her. And speaking of that phrase, there's one one other lady who I I need to mention, Renee DiMatteo. Renee DiMatteo, her, her, Mom and dad used to have a a, a, a mechanic shop of, uh, in Williamstown. And Renee and I met on Facebook, and she carried me through many nights on the phone. Unfortunately, we never got the opportunity to meet, but she really, she was the arm. She was, she was like a rock. Wow. Well, it seems like God has always given you the help needed. He has. Exactly when you needed it. And he you has. thank him for that and in all your journeys. And, and I'm so thankful that we have met and, and had many years of friendship. We're going to be wrapping up just about now, Anthony. Okay. So and, and Marie and Jeff Sheridan. I can't. <laughs> your last shout out. Okay. <laughs> That's it. So we want to thank you for being on the show. You were a wonderful guest to have. And thank you for working with the Zoom. I think you are one of the most technologically advanced people that I know, and you can't even see the technology in front of you, which blows my mind, has always blown my mind. So you've done a phenomenal job being here with us today and well, thank sharing, you. sharing your faith and sharing your life story with us. So thank you for that. It's-